0: You are now entering the MXU podcast, no credentials required. Well, Hey everybody, welcome to episode 148 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom. I'm sitting here with my good friend and co-host,
1: Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. How you doing, buddy? I am doing good. I'm coming to you live on a DPA 4166. First time we've used this mic. Hope it sounds good. Yeah. It looks good on your face. Well, it's the right cocoa shade. That's why. (laughs) Honestly, I should paint it black and white to match my beard. (laughs) Uh, DPA, if you could get a zebra print out there for me, that would be great. (laughs) That'd be funny,
0: actually. So we're actually together today. We're sitting here at the Atlanta location of Passion City Church. I'm coming here this weekend to mix for Sunday. It's a special week here at Passion and... They couldn't find anybody that was any good, so
1: they brought me in to mix well, the band. Well, it's our, it's our big Sunday where we're, you know, it's the money Sunday, I call it. Yep. And uh, we just figured we better get money bags in here behind the console, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whatever. No, it's going to be great. We've got a 17-piece uh, orchestra, I think. Yeah, they basically said 17 DPAs. In front of the pa and i said cool i'm out this sunday ironically (laughs) which i'm not i said we should call
0: jeff yeah so it's gonna be fun we had a rehearsal this morning and the strings are great and it's gonna be a powerful weekend so i'm excited Um, but it's great to be here because we're able to talk about mxu live as well so for those of you who've been living under a rock by the time this episode comes out we're going to be one month from load in which is oh that's wild crazy yeah So the event is September 14th and 15th here at Passion City Church in Atlanta. And
1: it's going to be great. Sorry, Jeff said Loden. He won't be at Loden because he'll be playing golf. Well, it is the Worship Classic as well. So Amplio's golf tournament
0: is aligning with our event, which is great. We're grateful for them kind of making the timing of that happen. So yeah, September 13th, if you haven't heard, is the Worship Classic. Here in atlanta at stone mountain golf club which is a really fun place to be kind of near your old stomping grounds from yeah, decatur. the decatur Decab county days and all that so my parents left me in Decab after i graduated high school and they moved to gwinnett <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it'll be fun so if you don't have your tickets yet go to you.com/slash events and you'll see all the stuff there for how to register we cannot wait to see you here we're We're preparing big things for this space i think it's going to be a great location to host everybody and people are going to be kind of wowed by the physical space and the just the hosting of the folks here at passion is going to be is going to be great our friends from summit are kind of helping out with hospitality and just really caring this time more than ever about making sure that the attendee experience is rich and that
1: everybody feels well cared for and well Kind of taken care of so i'm sending a truck out to san diego to rob gene's uh coffee stash so we'll be giving away a little bit of crew brew because uh well i would have stolen it from gene <laughs> it's gonna be great
0: so um yeah jay's been kind of heading up the effort here coordinating with the passion team on just making sure everything is is coming together and
1: it is so yeah we're excited and there's great food and places to hang here in atlanta Got Out our website. I put a few suggestions in there. Awesome for things to do. Um, how was the drive down this morning? It was fine. Saturday last morning. Last night's weather was wild. Yeah. Lost a couple trees in the neighborhood. Really? Yeah.
0: The weather all week has been crazy. We're, I think, there's storms everywhere. And I mean, the fires in Hawaii and storms, thunderstorms,
1: and power outages. And it's, it's bananas. Man, if anyone's listening and, uh, is in Hawaii. I know we have some great friends in Hawaii at some churches. Man, we're we're thinking about you guys, praying for you guys. Yeah, it's uh, this is a rant. I don't need people to keep posting their photos of Hawaii when they were there visiting. It's not helpful. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I mean, I looked at mine, and I, I you know, I was, I was like, guys, no one needs to see your vacation photos, right? And that's where people live. Right. Um, but yeah, we should be thinking about how we can help. Hopefully, church gear is getting ready to just donate a bunch of equipment to uh, churches there that need it. You know, Toby's got all the money; he doesn't need all that, so he can just give him some gear out of the warehouse, just cart it over there. So, so I'm sure Toby and Blake are going to hear this episode. Yep. So that's just a challenge, personally, from Jay. Yeah. To, church gear. Uh, let's put your money where your mouth is. Put your gear where your something is. <laughs> um, but seriously, we should all reach out to churches out there. We all can help in many ways. So. Yep. Cool. I hope, and I really do hope. Uh, I talk about Convoy, I hope a lot because I do a lot of work when they're already there, yeah. which I love, which is awesome. So um, I actually was reminded just the other day driving. This is another rant. I'm on rants right now, but uh, someone said something to me, and I, I literally just had water in my car like a a bottle i hadn't opened actually i stole from here the church and i saw a guy he's out there sweating and he's just cutting grass i was like bro if i was him i would want to water so i gave him my water because i was almost home and he lit up and i was just like man it's it's just not hard to do something yeah I got generally walk around irritable, so I probably need to right my wrongs more than most, not that we're, not to we're on, a, uh, on a system here. Uh, um, but it's just not hard to do a little something for someone when you can It's just not hard. The kinder, gentler, softer
0: version of Jay Desai. I like it. Like, I let Jeff borrow watch today. Look at me go. That's true. I, and this is cool. So for those of you who are watch people, you know, I'm, I've never been historically a huge watch guy, but I'm sort of starting to get some knowledge and getting into it. So this collaboration between Swatch and Omega is pretty awesome.
1: So I'm wearing the, I think there's what, five or six different versions? No, I think it's like a, all the planets. Now they have all the planets plus sun and moon. Okay, so I don't remember how many plants there are anymore because you I think know, there's eight now. There Uranus got nine. taken out, put no. back in. No, nope. Pluto. Pluto <laughs> got taken out and put back in, and so who knows how many plants there are? I got to go back to the book. So I think there's eight plus the sun and
0: moon, so that would be ten watches. So this one is the Moon Swatch, which is basically it's like the the face of the Omega Speedmaster, Speedmaster the moon, watch. moon Watch, which is what astronauts got when they went to space and it's awesome. But it's feather light and it's,
1: it's ceramic, right? It's ceramic. Yeah. It's like
0: it's it's cool. It's like what Swatch would do to make a great watch. Yeah. So
1: and, and the faces are inspired by the Moonwatch. They're kind of fun to collect and yeah. they're, they're uh not crazy expensive. I mean it's still money, but it's a uh, kind of a, a fun thing. You do you know that they still wear the Speedmaster in space? Did we talk about Swashane when he was on? I think so, yeah. yeah. They still do. His, his, uh, he's, it's military issue, so they're never new. They're a couple years old, but yeah, they still wear them because something about the magnetical pull, gravitational, something science y that, you know, I'm not smart enough to understand, uh, works. It works. The watch resists it and keeps time. So, anyways, watches for engineers, like, it's actually actually great because it's, they're mechanical and they have a whole system on how they work and stuff. Yeah. So that's what, like, Besides like the appearance part about watches, but understanding of the guts and getting into the guts is pretty cool on watches. Nice. Yeah. So
0: I want to talk for a minute. Now that summer is kind of coming to an end, can we just talk about the summer travel this year? Miserable. Miserable. Like worst ever. I've traveled a lot in the summers over the years. Right. For, you know, going to festivals and, in and out for weekend shows and you know a lot of stuff, and summer travel is generally worse than regular season because of weather and thunderstorms and all that. but this year, like I can't remember
1: it ever being this bad oh it's it's been wild, and it's not I think I'm hypersensitive to delta because uh because we're here.
0: well, and you and I are both super fans of delta like. I won't fly on any other airline yeah, if, if just, I can yeah, ever no, help it. There's No need for, no, all, no that. Need for all that. So. Um,
1: but it's across the board. All the airlines, the storms. Okay, so there's two things going on. I was with um, a pilot yesterday. Actually, we were talking about it. There's there is shortage. Like the staff are taking a little more time off because they've been flying nonstop. Yeah, uh, which you know is awesome. But we're flying more than we have in years in staffing that's across every industry it feels like staffing but then the storms have really been messing things up and the delays and it's hard not to get mad it is i mean i was stuck at seattle you know after i came and saw you for, yeah. for 20 hours or whatever and it's hard not to get frustrated and mad at people but they didn't do it either but it is crazy so maybe everyone stop traveling so i can get places where <laughs> i need to go and i just needed i need my own plane well you know enough people
0: around here that could make that happen that you should probably yeah. They just want me just to get pay, on it. Just want me to pay for
1: it. I don't want to do uh, that. I need a dadu Force One. Ooh, I could see the branding now. Yeah, that'd be fun. Honestly, DJ Khaled just needs to let me borrow his plane. If you don't follow him on Instagram, y'all got to He's into golf all of a sudden. He is. In and fact, he just he, had an Open. He just had his own. He was on the cover of Golf Digest a few months ago. That's wild. And his interview was awesome he he's he knows exactly what he's doing he's he's a smart smart man but his instagram when he's playing golf yelling at the golf ball yeah and like the way he looks at it when he's lining up his shot is just amazing well and he he plays golf just about every day
0: now he was talking about it in the interview all and over it's, he'll go everywhere and play with everyone and yeah. it's
1: awesome to watch yeah i wish i wish i could do that i mean i'm still not really good at golf so you were gonna take some lessons, though. Whatever happened with that? I took one. I need to take some more. My outfits though, were on point. I've got I got some bet. great, great golf attire. I bet. So let's talk about your outfits for MXU Live. Have you decided what? Uh... I think I'm gonna keep it keep it somewhat normal this year. Okay. I don't think I'm gonna come. I don't think I'm coming in hot with some Hawaiian MXU shirts. All right. Or well, anything. I'm gonna try and behave. Hometown behavior. You know, my mom's only 30 minutes away. Normally, when we're in another city, I can misbehave. She can't get me, you know? <laughs> That's funny. She was cute yesterday. I went and saw her. And then I had a birthday party for some friends yesterday. It was probably like 40 people at their house. And my mom has called me back-to-back twice. I'm like, okay, let's see. She only video calls on WhatsApp. So I answer, and she's like, did you make it home? Did you eat dinner? I'm like, I'm 41 years old. <laughs> I, was like, I can I mean, figure out how to yeah, live. Yeah, I was like, how, how do you think I survived? So I just passed the phone around the room. <laughs> that's amazing it was great i was like i gotta go mom talk hey to guys me. talk to my talk to my mom she wants to know if i'm wearing clothes eating food that's still one of her questions like in the winter time she's like do you have enough clothes on and i always just tell her no mom i'm naked and starving just laying in i don't the know floor. how i've lived outside of your house for 23 years or whatever without you she's sweet though that's amazing all right so
0: i've got a little uh little something that came up in our mxu slack okay
1: that we need to just encourage the people with maybe a little bit of a challenge maybe oh, i uh, thought it was someone asking if i'd take their sister on a date that's not it no no not okay. this time okay cool um still single but our buddy brian Pappick, whose mm. wife
0: jessica is actually on our team at mm-hmm. mxu he posted this in the slack the other day and i thought it was pretty clever and i wonder just if we put it out there like what other people would come up with so he said i need to start a sunday morning bingo so like make bingo cards for yep. your church and production team over or whatever. When these things happen, you just fill out your bingo card and then halfway through the service, somebody just yells bingo over calm. <laughs> it's actually amazing. It's a pretty brilliant idea. Yeah. What so, would be some of those? Well, these were some of his categories that you would put on a bingo square. And we got a couple other kind of input from from the Slack. So, you know, just use your creativity and come up with things because I think this is hilarious. So his was Crying Baby so anytime there's a crying baby you just put a chip on, the, yeah, on yeah. the on the square uh cell phone ring slash alarm goes off yep um someone's got to take their pills that's right somebody drops a water bottle and you hear like a clang from a water bottle um someone leaves early yeah any that's what she said statement that comes from the platform <laughs> which could basically be the center square um a graphics miscue or somebody you know, fat fingers a slide or puts no, the wrong yeah. graphic up, or somebody sings a wrong lyric. Oh, yeah. Okay, so those were those were his, and then other people kind of chimed in. So one said, somebody from the stage actually calling for the next slide. So like, next that's, slide, please. That's
1: actually really good. <laughs> next
0: slide, please. Um, a mic doesn't get turned on or unmuted. Wrong song was in the playlist. So like, you go to Pro Presenter, next next slide, and it's the wrong song. Or Media Shout.
1: Is that still around?
0: Or Media Shout. Um, Late Arrivers. So we have Early Mm. Leavers and then Late Arrivers.
1: I don't understand Late Arrivers. I have seen people come during the message like, hey, this thing's only an hour and 10, hour and 20 minutes long maybe. If you're here, maybe an hour and a half. Maybe
0: they just need to turn down for MXU and they don't like the music.
1: I mean, maybe, but, like, see people straight walking in in the mess. And I'm like, where you been? Come to the next one. Come to the next one. Yeah, just stay. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Like, just come halfway get, through the get, talk. Get the and worship then, after. Yeah, exactly. And then, um,
1: oh, this is a good one. People taking photos of the sermon slides. We should maybe just give away the slides on the internet or on on Instagram or something. Yeah. So people just, don't to... just people filming it. worship is weird, too. Yeah, it is. It's like, not a concert, folks. Yeah, and and, like... Get on iTunes or Spotify or Napster, however you get your music these days, and get this, like, do you, like, put it on in the background and watch the video? Like, how does this work? Yeah, it's weird. Lighting lighting wasn't that great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How large was your Napster library back in the day?
1: I mean, when movies ended up on it and stuff, it got wild. But, yeah. Napster really pushed it forward for all of us in so many ways like without an app store would we have and i mean we're, you know we, of course technology evolves and stuff and itunes and all that stuff would have come later but like did it force us there someone had to figure out how to monetize it it was wild yeah
0: so when it first came out i obviously disagreed with it because of the whole stealing thing and artists not getting paid and Right. You know, it definitely affected the studio world in terms right. of
1: I mean you're a super production person. and all
0: that. I was willing no, 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 I, mean, I was willing
1: to send to figure it out. No, it's
0: not a it, it's not a sort of high, higher morality or anything. It was just a practical reality of the music business of going okay, how are these artists going to be able to make records anymore? Because that was affecting my living sure, yeah. if we couldn't go in the studio because they didn't have any budget because all their music was getting stolen. Because my band didn't really pay you well when you recorded our album. But you guys were one of my favorite clients. It was awesome. So if you guys have anything to add to our Sunday morning bingo idea, let us know because what we should do, we should create a
1: bingo card. Well, hand them out at MXU Live. We could do bingo for our own event. <laughs> Every time I almost cuss on stage, <laughs> or do cuss, that's
0: funny. Yeah. So if you have other ideas, let us know because we should we should create a card, post it on Instagram. Oh right. And then in the comments, people could say other things. That Did you ever be on have a the Nam
1: Bingo card?
0: Yes. Stevie the, Wonder is always my Stevie favorite. Stevie Wonder, yeah. The Nam Bingo card. This is kind of where this came from. I think is because the Nam Bingo card always included if you have a Stevie Wonder sighting, and that was like the center. The center square. no pun no pun
1: intended no pun intended right um i saw a video last night um if y'all know who fred hammond is i follow fred hammond i'm a big fan he posted a video of stevie wonder coming up on stage with him uh to sing no weapon formed against me i think it was but stevie clearly doesn't know the words no it was clearly. so good that's awesome i bet he but he's it, not though. blind type that into youtube stevie wonder is not blind and go down the rabbit hole of him catching mic stands and stuff Well, it's
0: right up there with those websites about conspiracy theories about the moon landing. So, Right, yeah. I'm on those too. (laughs) All right. Well, we need to get to our interview today. So today we're talking to Wes Davis and Jenny Waldron from New Life Church in Seattle. They're actually going to be at MXU Live talking about just leadership and developing volunteers and how to take volunteers from a worker to a developer. So they have a huge kind of track that they take their teams through to encourage them to not just show up and do a task, but actually get to the point where they can develop other people and pour into them and disciple them. So they're gonna talk about that when they're with us next month, but we wanted you to hear from them now, just to get sort of a, an intro to some of these ideas. And I'm telling you, there's so much wisdom. Wes is a senior pastor. Jenny is in the senior leadership of their team as well. And they're just doing incredible things. So we wanted you to hear from them. So we'll get to that right after this. Well, I'm thrilled today to be joined by two new friends, uh, Jenny Waldron and Wes Davis from New Life Church in Washington State. And um, for those of you who have never heard of New Life or don't know what they're doing out there because you don't live anywhere near Washington State, um, I wanted to have them here today just to tell you a little bit about their church and their history and their ministry, but then also to kind of tease the fact that they are going to be with us at MXU Live in September, teaching a great deep dive into developing volunteer teams and how to instill leadership in your teams. And so, uh, Wes and Jenny, thank you for being here today. I'm excited for this conversation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us.
3: Excited. yeah. Yeah. Let's do this, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Wes, why don't you give us a little bit of history in terms of just your background and the starting of the church and all the, all the ins and outs of new life.
3: Yeah. Well, I, the kind of the origin story goes back to, I was a youth pastor at a church that's maybe, maybe 15 minutes away from where I am now. And, um, I tell people it's the best job I ever had. I'm still trying to get it back. Um, (laughs) but our youth pastors are really good. So that's hard. Um, And uh, the senior pastor uh, and the executive pastor pulled me into an office one day. I thought I was in trouble and said, hey, we've been talking with our elders about launching a new church to reach people who aren't going to church. Hmm. And so that was 23 years ago, October 1st. Wow. And so we were given that assignment. Uh, My wife and I prayed. We actually prayed not for a yes, but for a no. Um, And we didn't get one. So we just felt like we were asked to do it. Let's just do it. And so um, seven friends, couples, we, we started to meet in our house. And, and um, about nine months in, launched something that we I actually, we, we had no idea what we were doing. Didn't do it right. There's no book about what we did for sure. Unless it's <laughs> called Here's What Not to Do. But we learned, we, we were actually, we started with like, hey, let's do a gathering Sunday night's that's what all of the people who aren't going to church in the Seattle area are waiting for. And we found out that's not true. Uh, people not going to church. were not going to church on purpose. Yeah. Um, but what we did find is that they, uh, there were people who love Jesus who love people who weren't going to church. And when we started to partner with them, that's when we saw, Oh, okay. And that's where kind of out of that became this, this mantra of people becoming the church. Wow. That's awesome. Well, and back then,
0: I mean, early 2000s, you know, in Seattle, there weren't a ton of, I don't want to say um, relevant, but in, in that time frame, you know, I know of only a couple churches that were really focused on outsiders, so to speak. And so you guys probably had, I mean, especially up there, probably felt like a mission field to some degree.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of the reading material that we did at the time, was around um m- m- more targeted towards missions missionaries missional thinking yeah. uh what one of in fact uh, kind of early into it one of the things i we we had to practice of as leaders reading books and i asked our leaders what book should we read next and one of the um more senior leaders on our team i uh, said what if we read the gospel of luke <laughs> <And> <laughs> that's a novel like, idea we give it a shot um so um we did. We read through the Gospel of Luke together as a team. It's first time on any sta- church staff that I'd ever read through the Bible with a, g- a group of people on staff. And uh, we've just been doing that for about 20 years now.
0: It's a pretty good piece of advice, I think. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So, Jenny, what about you? How did you get involved, and what's your story?
2: Yeah, so New Life launched 2000, and then what year was it, 2003, when it launched Sovereign?
3: Yeah, so in March 28, 2004, we, we, we had kind of grown to the point where we needed to move out of mom and dad's house yeah. and pay for our own bills. <laughs> <laughs> Got it.
2: So what start actually launched on Sunday nights in a local secondary school, which is like middle school and high school It's like a new. It was funny because it was called the school's called Klaowya. Oh, and you had to make a video, right of like how to pronounce it.
3: Well, it was a new school, no <laughs> one could pronounce it. And so we just went around town with a film crew saying to people,, well, how you doing?" <laughs> and that's how people figured out that's where we- that's good. When
2: I bring that yeah. up because I was I was a 17 year old in a low, in a town really close to where the church launched. and people started saying, hey, there's this new church at the new school called Calhalla, you should try it out on Sunday nights. And at the time I was super done with church. I had been raised in the church. My dad was a pastor and through all the things that tend to be really similar stories that people have through that era of church, I was just kind of like done with that. But I had recently encountered Jesus in a way that completely transformed my life. And I had a boyfriend who is now my husband who said, if we're gonna be together, we need to go to church together. So we showed up on a Sunday night at new life. And Wes, I think maybe you and Carrie were speaking. And I liked Wes and Richard liked Carrie. And so we decided maybe we'll try this out. But the thing that made me stick was I had never heard a church that was so deeply focused on the mission of Jesus. And because I was super in love with Jesus and unsure about the church, it gave me an end to where I could start to fall in love with the church, which now... My husband and I have been serving for 18 years here, and I just believe that the local church is the hope of the world.
0: That's awesome. So that kind of brings us to the reason that we got connected and the reason that we are so excited about you guys being at MXU Live is this idea of, you know, discipleship and developing people to literally become the church and to be the church. And a lot of that happens through serving and through, you know, how... They're invested personally in making the church logistically and practically happen. So talk for a little bit about some of those ideas and how you sort of have have been so strategic in developing this kind of platform for that to be realizable in people.
3: Uh, yeah, thank you for using the word strategic. Um,
2: really really makes us feel great.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, so I have some assumptions. They might be true or false, but I just have them. So one of my assumptions is that in your life, God has given you different experiences to prepare you for what he's going to have you do next. Yeah. So I I had two, two things I was involved with. One was um, I played basketball. And secondly, I was in orchestra. Which... That list of people is small.
2: Those aren't dual gifts often.
3: <laughs> no, it's a pretty pretty narrow cohort there, yeah. Yeah, and I was really good at basketball, and then um, the orchestra teacher was fine with me uh, when I stopped playing. So that will tell you how I did in the streams. <laughs> uh, so, so one of the, the things that I noticed from uh, at least on the basketball side of things, and it was true for music too, but in the basketball – is if you want to have a team in high school that goes to state every year, you have to have youth development programs all the way through. So, you know, when you move to a a city, which I I did, and I was a basketball coach at a high school, you start third and fourth, fifth and sixth grade camps. Yeah. Um, You start coaches clinics. Uh, You do the coaches clinics, honestly, to get the middle school basketball coaches to to adapt to your philosophy. There's lots of ways to play, but – you know, uh, the towns that go to state every year, it isn't just off talent. They have a system. And then when you add to it talent, it, it's really something. So what we tried to do is put a developmental program into the church that was, for me, I, I actually just did it just because you did it in sports. So, so instead of seeing youth as a program as a church, it's actually, it's, it's an apprenticeship opportunity. And so you, you, instead of having like, well, the youth pastor does youth, we actually have the youth pastor involves all of the staff and all of the church into the lives of young people. And then you create a little bit of a pipeline for all of the future things you're going to do. So I've noticed a lot of churches, their bench is pretty pretty empty, not a lot on the bench. Yeah, And I think some of it is they just don't have any sort of a developmental program. And when you start with a kid that's, I don't know, like, you know, ten. 10 years old and they think that they, yeah, it's just, you know, now all of a sudden you got a lot of people in the pipeline. You can launch That's churches, amazing. you can launch campuses, you can do other things. And so you, you, you usually, you know, so we don't try to um, pay staff to solve those problems. We try to create a culture in which a lot of people are coming through the pipeline in a lot of different areas. That's so great.
2: One of the things that I have found really powerful about it is you've got these 10, 11, 12, and then 15, 16, I was 17 when I showed up, and you've got these kids now thinking in a bigger vision to think maybe my life is not just for me, that God has given me a gift in a way that will serve the mission, and yes, in the church, but also in the world. And so, we're actually giving the same kind of investment into kids and youth who are going to become marketplace leaders as we are, who are going to become pastors or people who lead ministries, because we think all of it actually builds the church.
0: Totally. That's amazing. Well, you know, at MXU, we're all about helping teams recruit, train, and retain healthy volunteer teams. And so, you know, what you're saying resonates so much with what we're all about, especially because I really believe that, you know, serving is such a core component of spiritual development and personal ministry and discipleship. And I think, you know, people people think, well, attendance and tithing are way more important than these other things. And it's like, man, I would put serving right in the same same vein as Bible study and tithing and church attendance and biblical community and all those things, because especially for kids, like when you feel like you're a part of a mission, you feel like you're part of a team, you feel like you're part of something that's that's growing and that is dependent on you to make it happen. I mean, it's such an exciting way to see God move, not only in the church, but in yourself personally and in your friends yeah. and in your family. So um, that's that's just awesome. So talk about the talk about the pipeline cuz i know we're going to focus on that some in the in the mxu live event but there's this yeah. sort of four or five stages that you guys kind of see people flowing through to sure. get to somebody who can actually develop other people
3: it, yeah so so the way we would think about it is every church has a mission and it's on their wall sometimes it's on a piece of paper but it's probably just a restatement of the great commission right which is fine, I mean, right?
2: Feels like Jesus gave us that on purpose. Yeah, great
3: commandment, great commission, and we say it this way. Let's do that. Great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty important, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two systems that we work on around the clock to, to move people of all ages towards that mission. So one of them is our discipleship pathway. So how is it that people who become followers – or disciples become disciple makers okay yeah so that's a whole other subject if we wanted to go into and then the other side of it is our leadership pipeline Uh, how do people get involved become apprentices and then become actually um developers of other people um of other leaders and so we think both are needed jesus made disciples who became apostles so you kind of like the leadership and discipleship they are different they do um they, they do interconnect at times, um, but you can have leaders who aren't strong disciples, and you can have strong disciples who are actually pretty weak at leadership. But, man, if you got both, that's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So, yeah, so, Jenny, like, um, okay, so you started this at 17 or 18. I mean, you're pretty young. Like you, I was 17. 17, okay. So so it's kind of been the same for your
2: Well, yeah, I actually found, it. I found a journal that I had filled out coming to, like, staff <laughs> meetings at 17, And I had drawn out the leadership pipeline and you'll hear something we talk about called the fractal. I had my first fractal, which are the areas of responsibility that I was in charge of as a 17 year old. But can you just, I I don't know that that's something that people even think about 17 year old. I had areas in the church that I felt real responsibility for. That's really powerful. And it changed the trajectory of my leadership and my life. But those, there's these four stages on the pipeline. They've been the same The first one, every single one of us is a worker. And I mean, that makes sense because Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so the whole idea is like, let's pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. And the magic of the leadership pipeline is none of us ever actually graduate from worker. Right. In the corporate world, you climb a ladder for success. In the leadership pipeline, you go down the pipeline to include more people and to go deeper into your leadership. And so you start with a worker. Workers, then when you do a good job and you're a worker, great worker, what happens?
3: Well, usually you get more work.
2: (laughs) You get more work. (laughs) And when you get more work, you can get worse at the work you're doing because you have too much or you can involve more people. And when you involve more people, you become a leader. And I actually think leadership at that stage of like, I'm a leader and I have people who do work is actually pretty natural for people. I would say, Wes, when we talk about leaders in that spot in the pipeline, that's something like leadership is fun. When you're a leader, I get to do a lot of stuff. I'm involved in everything. I'm standing at the front of the room. I'm, you know, giving out directions. We're having a lot of fun going after stuff together. But at some point... I become the lid. Right. And then we have to make a turn in the pipeline, which we'll talk about more when we're at NXU. But the, the turn in the pipeline goes to Equipper, which is really, if we look in the scriptures, what Jesus said was the job of the people who are on paid staff at a church is that we would equip the saints. And once you will become an Equipper, you're leading teams of teams. And eventually, if you're great at that and you continue to do an awesome job bringing up leaders, people will give you a voice in their life and you can help develop them as people, not just as workers.
0: That's awesome. So I have a question because there's a tendency among especially production teams to feel like they're a part of the staff or a lead volunteer or whatever their responsibility is. They're they're doing that because they have a level of expertise that nobody else has. And with that can come a sense of pride and entitlement that says, I'm the only person who can do this thing because they hired me because I'm the expert. And it's a very difficult thing to be open-handed enough to let go of some of that to actually pour into people in a healthy way. So for people who struggle with that what would you say because i you know my answer is well it's in the bible that you shouldn't do that because of what you're talking about with disciple making and all this stuff and you're gonna be you're gonna be set up for what god has for you next right that that's that's my whole thing it's like if you let go then you're gonna be open to whatever god has next for you now it may not be sitting behind an audio console mixing a great worship service or it might not be designing the lights so that everybody's engaged in this immersive and incredible experience, but there is going to be something for you. But there is a tendency still for people to want to hold on to this thing, build their little sandbox and say, nobody else is allowed to play because I'm the audio director, I'm the video guy, I'm the whatever. And so how do you how do you speak to that? Because I, I want to hear from this sort of pastoral voice, leadership, guy who's been there, done that to go, okay, you know, this is what we're supposed to do.
3: (laughs) Yeah, there's, well, I mean, so you're talking about something that is uh, more of an art than a science, because if you do have a unique ability in an area, there's probably still going to be some events or Sundays that I'm still, I've got the steering wheel on this one, okay? Totally, So. Yeah. So, so there is, there is, I, that, that's understandable. Um, I, I would just like, so a couple things I would want somebody to think about is I think it's really important that you don't gain your identity from your ministry. Preach. So if your, if your identity is what you do in a church, at some point you will lose your identity because everybody either dies, moves, or goes somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, even you think about like, think about Nehemiah, you know, he was the cupbearer to the king. One of my verses I really like is, is uh, chapter one. It's like the last verse in Nehemiah. It says, in those days, I was the cupbearer to the king. I like the word was, Hmm. because for him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, he had to do something else. Yeah, He didn't rebuild it as a cupbearer. And so it was, you know, that was a. So I, I'm always nervous when, you know, somebody defines their identity by here's the stuff I do in a church. Because in, in fact, when it's taken away, they end up usually hating the church. So we mm-hmm. want people's identity to be rooted in Christ. And so that's a good starting place. Yeah. And that will make it easier to share. Because what's hard is if your identity is your ministry, of course you don't want to share it. Right. So the the other part of it is, is giving people enough space to say, I want to one is uh, work with the the volunteers I have is if I if I if I equip them so they feel like they're doing a good job. But if I can develop them where they feel that they are being successful and and in a discipleship, they like who they are becoming, you will have less turnover. So I noticed a lot of times where you basically you work a volunteer till you burn them out. Right and so we don't want to use volunteers to do ministry we want to use ministry to develop strong volunteers
0: I think you need to say that again so people can write that down
2: that's a good one
3: yeah well you, yeah you don't want to use volunteers to do ministry you actually want to use ministry to develop strong volunteers and the reason why no one likes to feel used and we've all done right. it I've done it And I hate when I do it. I don't want to keep doing it. I don't want to use people. People feel used. But I think we use people when it's our identity is connected to our ministry. And then we want it to go so well. So we get praised. Right.
2: I think that's part of why someone who does a unique skill on a church staff, if they do end up for whatever reason, needing to move on, it's really hard to not even feel like you yourself were used for your skill. If your job does not become about developing others. When we talk about the leadership pipeline, one of the biggest things that we have found is that there are values that have to shift. And some of those things are, I I value being great at what I do. And a lot of churches have a value for excellence. And I think that's awesome. God made us to create beautiful things, and we should do a great job with what it is he's asked us to do.
0: That's great. And we say all the time, you know, the the Bible has a lot to say about skill, right? I mean, there's a ton of verses in the Bible that say, you know, Work heartily as under the Lord. Do your best. Play skillfully and shout for joy. It's like there's all these wow. things that we're we're commanded to do because of you know having a mindset of excellence. So it's that's it's not that that's not important. So I don't want people no, to think, important. well, now we're not gonna we're not gonna be any good anymore because we're just you know it's not it at all.
2: Right. Well, that's a fear that people have. A fear is that if I start to develop other people and pull people in, then our Quality will go down. I think one of the value shifts that we have to think about is, am, is my number one job that we're excellent today or that we leave a legacy of people that we have developed who can continue to move the mission forward in a powerful way?
3: And, Come on. And I do think this, again, this is an art. It's a dance. I mean, you know, if the excellence falls too low and you're at a church that has that as a value, you're in trouble. Totally. So, yeah, totally. But one of the things to be open to, is I, if you're really good at something, like you have a unique ability and a skill set, would it be okay for somebody else to be promoted over you because they have a higher skill set in development and equipping and you have great joy off of the skill that you bring? Wow. Hmm.
2: Wow. And to think that that God made each of us very specifically for the thing that we are designed to do. And if I'm being faithful to what God has called me to do and shaped me to do, then I get great joy from that.
3: Let me share an example. Let's say there's somebody who's great at leading worship. I mean, they're just amazing. And they're actually, um, they're not real good at overseeing it. A lot of people being involved in worship. Well, we might say, look, just be like, crush it with the thing you do. But we do need to have somebody who is discipling volunteers in worship so that we actually don't hate the people that we're serving with, and they don't hate their life because they're serving in the church.
0: Yeah. And they don't hate working with you because you're not good with people. Like, that would be the worst thing.
3: So, so you, especially in the area of media and uh, the tech team, uh, if somebody has a high tech skill... Uh, we might we, we might say, look, keep crushing it at what you do, but let's bring in somebody with organizational skill sets that would come behind you. Yeah,
2: you know, this, is, this is a real time thing. I was talking with our the person who's over our gatherings and one of the things we were talking about is in the next season, I think that the church is going to need to make a decision about whether it's going to be we're going to have experts, that are in all these areas or we're gonna have leaders and then we also have some experts that they work with whether those experts are a paid staff or volunteer one of the things that I think when we look at the way we have structured the team over the years and of course I came on as a volunteer intern at 17, 18 I spent a few years working in the marketplace just volunteering then I came on staff a little over 10 years ago and one of the things that has stayed consistent is when Wes ask someone, hey, would you like to join the team? Or somebody else, ask somebody, would you like to join the team? We don't tend to be like for this specific job only. We ask if people want to be a part of the mission. And when we think about the way leadership is structured, one of the things we talk about is your your fractal or your areas of responsibility. And those are always open for interpretation as you're going along on the team based on what the mission needs. And so every leader on our team That's thinks, great. of course, you're going to have something that you, yeah, if you're signed up to like be on the youth team, then you're going to be on the youth team unless something changes and there's a conversation. But what you do is going to be based on your giftings and our needs, the community's needs, not the leader that you serve under necessarily. So we want to make sure that we're building roles that are moving the mission forward all the time and not get stuck in. This is my job description. These are what my hours are for. That just tends to limit our ability to let people be human beings on our team. I actually think that's one of the mistakes that people make is I hired somebody to be whatever the the audio lead. And actually we find out that they're really great at video on the side. And hey, you actually can't do that thing that you're great at because we need you 40 hours a week doing mixing. When you're like, or could we think about a way to let that person be the unique gifted human they are on the team and then fill holes in other ways? That's so great.
3: So, Yeah. One of the questions to keep asking ourselves is what's my highest kingdom impact? So yeah, what does the mission need for me now? So yeah.
2: I love the now. That's really important because yeah. I think at different times in your life, even you as a leader, from when we were launching to when we first launched campuses in 2005 To now, when we're thinking about launching churches, but also building new things coming out of COVID, what the kingdom needs from you now has shifted.
3: Yeah. So, so you know, Jim Collins Collins kind of got popular for writing the getting the right people on the bus. Yeah. And so, you know, I think at some point you have to go like you know with maybe the media team that you're involved with at your church. Would we go on a bus trip together? Because if the answer is no, then I I mean, people can tell that you guys don't get along. So you don't have to be best of friends, but there has to be chemistry. So then it was interesting. There's a book recently I read called 10X, and it was saying, okay, get the right people on the bus. But then it kind of adapted something that he taught on the right seats. And he said, actually, the right people – make the right seats meaning that you empower people they say okay here's how we're going to self-organize in this season to have highest kingdom impact and so you're you're not just labeling right seats but you're allowing your teams to go okay if this is if we want to have the highest kingdom impact how would our team organize in this season at this time for biggest impact that's awesome i love
2: that and you have tools that help you communicate those changes within your team so that it's not like it's not a free-for-all, no one knows what they're doing. We use specific tools, and every you know every church would have their own thing, but the way that we tend to do it on our team is we have language that we share that says, hey, we're making this shift at this time every summer. We're going to update our work chart. We're going to look at where we're at. Everybody's going to redo their fractals. We're going to know where am I at on the pipeline in each area of my ministry. So that shared language gives us the ability to feel the kind of security and safety that teams need. To feel like I'm a valued member of this team, but also the flexibility to say we're not going to become irrelevant. We're not going to become like we're missing out on what actually is needed. I mean, COVID was a great example of that. You couldn't not reorganize heading into COVID. And honestly, you couldn't not reorganize coming out of COVID.
0: Coming out, right, right.
2: We got hit pretty hard. And so our experience for that feels like we've almost relaunched a church for the third time.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Well, I, you know, I, my mind keeps going back to your example of Nehemiah, too. It's like, you know, I was the cupbearer, and now later on in the book, you know, when he's tempted to sort of come down and face his enemies, he's like, I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. I am doing this. I was doing that. I am doing this. And I've got all these other people with me who are doing it. Hand in hand, sword in one hand, hammer in the other. It's like we're we're in this together because of our shared expertise. You know, we've got expert craftsmen who are building the gates on this wall. We've got expert carpenters who are doing the doors on this wall. It's like, you know, his understanding of his team made his vision, you know, exponentially more effective than it could have been. And they built the whole thing in less than a couple of months. So it's, you know, I think Nehemiah is always such a great example of this happening well. You know, leveraging each other's expertise, um, but then. Just understanding that your role may change over time and that that may be part of God's calling. And that's awesome.
3: You know, um, one of the things you'll notice with, since we're on this Nehemiah kick, um, people tended to, if you read, I think it's chapter three, maybe it's three or four, is it three's, four?
2: Three is the big list.
3: Yeah, three. They were working, they tended to, there's three tendencies. One is they worked, they tended to work with their families. Right, right. Which when you look at volunteering in a church, often we we never have families working together. <laughs> it's like what we're doing is we're asking people to serve in a way that makes it hard for their family to be on the mission. <laughs> right. Secondly, is they worked they, they worked on things that were near to where they lived. I mean, if you look at the list, it was it was families and then it was like across from. Like that, that's key language that comes out. And so I think it's important that if we can have as much as we can have stuff where families are on the mission together, close by where we li- where they live. But one of the interesting things was there was a couple of people called out for doing something they weren't normally used to doing. Mm. So like this person was known for this, but actually we needed them to do this. And I just think there's sometimes where it might not be your top skill, but it's the greatest need and you're the person that happens to be there
0: and the other thing i've always thought especially you know in just reading the narrative you know because i love i love that story i love the book of nehemiah but the thing that strikes me is that there are specific people mentioned by name like what what kind of what kind of leader what kind of team member would i need to be to actually get mentioned in the bible I mean, that's pretty awesome. Like, you know, it must have been an incredible group of people, right? Here's these guys, you know, the Manessa brothers, whatever they are, and they're responsible for the doors and the hinges on the fish gate.
3: It's actually a boy, that's a boy band, actually. (laughs) It's a new boy band.
0: But what an incredible, like, it's just a symbol to me of the opportunity that God has for us, right? It might not be that we get... All this notoriety, but there's notoriety in God's eyes. It was so much so that He took the time to inspire these people to be mentioned by name. That's incredible. So, when you're talking about multi campus and expansion and new ministry opportunities, it's like, you know, what kind of legacy are we able to leave in our communities that could be the same? Sort of parallel as these guys who are actually mentioned in Scripture. I mean, I, I just think it's you know, as a leader, if you if you look at things through that lens, how much more sort of exciting and powerful and impactful can all this be? It's 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 really cool.
2: Yeah, like Nehemiah. This book it could have said, and Nehemiah did, and Nehemiah did, <laughs> right? And Nehemiah did,
0: and it would have taken years, and he probably would have been defeated.
2: Yeah. I mean, when all these people are coming with what gave him actually the ability to withstand all of these people coming to try to talk him out of the work was probably he looked down from that place where he can't come down because he had a great work. And he saw his team thriving, Mm. going after the things that were accomplishing the mission. And his legacy wasn't Nehemiah did all this stuff. His legacy was the people of God came together under his leadership, his humble servant leadership. And one of my favorite parts of the story is actually the part before they start the work where he watches for a while.
0: Mm.
2: He watches, he circles the city, he sees who's there, he looks at the trouble, he allows it to sit inside of his heart to find this great need that says, the walls are in ruin, let us rebuild. He didn't say, hey, I want to rebuild this, so will you do it? Let us rebuild the walls. Let's end this disgrace together. That's the kind of leadership that I think the, the church needs, the world needs, Is people who say, we're not doing this alone, there is a great need, and you, the people of God, not just me as a leader, you, the people of God, have been given every single thing that you need to accomplish this great work that God called us to, to bring life and future to many.
0: Man, that's a good word right there. I didn't know we were going to have a mini Bible study on Nehemiah today, but um, this is is great. So I, I really hope that People are going to be um, even more excited to hear from you guys at MXU Live. I know we're going to dig deeper into the pipeline and actually give people some uh, tools that they can walk away with to maybe do some assessment and kind of figure out how this all sort of applies to their own team. So, in the meantime, have we missed anything? Like, w- what else would you say to a to a church leader, a team leader who's maybe struggling with um, just? especially in the summer months, you know, volunteers are kind of, you know, on vacation coming in and out, dropping off a little bit, you know, just maybe a word of encouragement as they're coming into the fall season in, in, a, in a month or so, you know, just what they can do practically to kind of energize their team and kind of find some momentum around these ideas.
3: Well, um, I would, I would just, I, we, we would love the opportunity to help that person. Absolutely. Um, so if you're out there and you're going like, I don't feel like I have enough volunteers or I've had too much volunteer turnover. I feel like I have volunteers, but they don't they don't seem to be growing in their Christian walk. Or we uh, we we have a media team that's somewhat disconnected from the rest of the church. G- give us an opportunity because there's the practical stuff that will help you get organized where we don't have a bunch of sideways energy. Mm-hmm. But then there's the heart of disciple making that I think you're going to feel a little bit more enriched and like what you do has more meaning and significance.
0: That's so good. So what's the best way, even prior to MXU, what's the best way for people to find you guys and to get some of these resources in their hands?
3: Well, uh, yeah, this girl right here. <laughs> okay, we're kind of
2: old school. We're like, send send us like a personal email because then we, we're just all about relationship. I want to talk to you. Wes wants to talk to you. Figure out really what you need. So uh, I can I can give my email address. We can add it in there. But it's just jenny.waldron at newlife.tv. He's wes.davis at newlife.tv. Great. And we would love to yeah. chat with you.
3: Or if you need to, you know, you can uh, message us on Instagram or, or, or Find Facebook. Find us on Facebook,
2: Instagram. Find yeah. us
3: on Facebook. Uh, but yeah, just reach out to us and, and we'll reach back. We'll definitely put those details
0: in the show notes from this episode because I know people are going to want to dig deeper into a lot of this. So thank you guys for this conversation today. It's been awesome. And I can't wait for our time together in September um, at MXU. I think people are going to really, really benefit from all of your just philosophy and ideas and actually what the Bible has to say about building healthy teams. So that's great.
2: Turns out it's in there.
0: It's funny. I mean, if you just do what Jesus did, it, you know, the world will be a lot better place.
2: Looking forward to it, guys. Thank yeah, you, Jeff. Thanks
0: so much. Man, that conversation was great. And I didn't expect to go down the Nehemiah rabbit hole, but it's interesting. You know, There's this phrase that keeps coming up, and we heard it all the time at North Point. You know, Andy would talk about Nehemiah and how, you know, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. You know, and I can't that,
1: spell Nehemiah. I just want you to know that.
0: Well, you could work on it. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll uh, repetitive, repetitive spelling and see if I can get it in my head. That's good. Yeah, I'd like to see the Dadu spelling be sometime. It's
0: not good. What words would come up? <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be on Netflix <laughs> as a documentary or an expose. <laughs> <laughs> TBD. <laughs> it's funny. So anyway, um, I, I love. Wes's wisdom and his heart for church teams so I can't wait to interact with them more they're going to be doing a deep dive at the event and he's also going to be part of a one of our panel discussions
1: so gonna be great ton y'all, of wisdom y'all make sure you grab your mxU tickets I don't know try discount code j10 I don't know if it works just make up one <laughs> just make up one see if it works and email them and say my discount code's not working and see what happens um <laughs> Jeff 20 might work I don't know Give it a know. shot. Give we'll it a see. shot, but uh, we really do want to have as many people in the room as possible. I think the most valuable part we all keep going back to is the synergy and just community aspect of yeah. all being in the same room. We're all going to learn something hopefully, and all walk walk away with something. Yeah, I think uh, some of my favorite parts about MXU has always been at the events has been meeting people and just exchanging ideas, even if it's a hug. You felt like you met someone in your same shoes or not in your same shoes. Yep, and it's just kind of great to be communal I agree. and form a bond and know that we're all out there just getting it done. And obviously, our partners have been amazing. Yeah. I, I took three USB sticks from DigiCo last year. I'm down to one. So, <laughs> so uh, Kyle, Matt, Ryan, anyone listening, if y'all could bring me a few more, I'd appreciate it. More USB drives
0: for Jay. Yeah. So the event is Thursday, Friday. I think I want to challenge you to come up with something fun for us all to do Thursday
1: night? I think I could, that's right up my wheelhouse.
0: Yeah, because we're going to be ending the event right around five or so at the end of Thursday. So people scatter for dinner or whatever else. We need to have like, you know, let's keep the fellowship going after the, after the event, into the evening. And we just need to figure
1: out what that's going to look like. I'm pretty sure I have Pastor Louis's credit card number. Excellent. We'll see how it goes. What's, what's the worst that can happen? I put it back in the bucket on Sunday. <laughs> nah, we can find something fun to do. That'll be great. But seriously, grab someone. Honestly, if, if the choice is you you flying in by yourself or you getting in a car with three people, get in the car. Maybe we'll give away some gift, uh, gaffs, gift cards. Um, That's a good idea. Care. Go down to the QT and uh, yeah, go down to the QT, fill it up, get a taquito. Hit the road.
0: See, we could give away some gift cards, help people get home, and get a taquito at the same time. hundred percent.
1: But seriously, bring someone with you and bring yourself and let's just have a good old time. Slap happy. I said that earlier. Is that a saying? Slap happy? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that I was wondering where it came from. I was like, I hope I hope your day's just slap happy. And I was like, why did I say that? Where did that come from? <laughs> That's funny. Well, as always, great
0: to see you, buddy. And We're looking forward to the next few weeks and continuing to prepare. Can't wait to see you guys at the event. I hope you have a great rest of the summer and that your fall kickoff for everything that you guys are doing in your churches is great.
1: And we'll see you next time. Check on your people. See you later.